Hi, and welcome to the 143rd edition of the Keen Minds podcast, where we cover NBC's The Blacklist. This is season nine, episode 19, The Bear Mask. I'm Jen, aka Takata Saigo. And I am Tessa. And how did you like it? I actually really enjoyed it. I like, I, part of me is like, oh, it was sort of a filler episode. So like, I feel like I shouldn't like it, but it was reminiscent of a type of episode that they used to do back in the like 2000, 2012 or so arc of TV shows where it's not always someone drops acid <laughs> or whatever. It was a know. dream or but yeah, uh, those kind of psychological trippy show, you know, episodes where you know that they're tripping for whatever reason they've had head trauma or they've, you know, taken or in a drugs. Coma. Yeah. Like, um, you know, it, it just, it was a I thing. I seem to remember. Yeah. I seem to remember that. And it, it, I've always really enjoyed those because you can, delve into some things without necessarily causing long-term harm. And I think that they use that to the best degree in here because Abram has been through a lot. And I think they went back and touched on so many things that it's like, you know, this poor guy, and we've talked about before that, and and I've talked about with other people in the fandom before that the show was not great with dealing with the fallout, the emotional fallout. Like Liz never processed <laughs> things that she should have processed to a but, degree. But that Liz, was just Liz. Yeah. Um, Liz but but Aram needs that. to. Aram desperately needs to. And he tries because, I mean, the man goes to therapy. He, he works towards trying to be a healthier version of himself. And it was really interesting to see not just from the post office where we saw him second guessing himself at times and, and being nervous and this and that. Um, but we got to see the ramifications at home because it was, I would say minuscule at work, what we saw, but then we saw the whole fallout at home that he's barely eating when he is eating, he's just leaving stuff out. He's, you know, piles of clothes, his OCDs, gone up a few notches um you know just all of that coalescing in his what little out of work life that he's had and I thought it was such a great and creative way to let him work through that and I also really liked that while he found something you know he he found what the problem was it wasn't fixed in the end. And the the therapist told him, she said, this is not a cure-all. And you could tell that at the end where he's sitting there. I, I love that shot. Um, Matthew McCluda was our director and mm-hmm. the shots on this were just phenomenal. But Aram's sitting there at the table and then with on either team. side of him, the dark Aram and Samar, who is, you know, essentially his protector in all of this. I mean, it's obviously not really Samar, but in his mind, she's his protector, his person that's always going to be on his side that knows him even better than he knows himself, which we've talked about with, with um, Tom and Liz had that as well, where they both Mm -hmm. knew each other better than the the person sometimes knew themselves and Mm -hmm. could call them out on things. And it's almost like his subconscious. I mean, I think it was his subconscious allowing Samar to take that role, even though she wasn't there to actually do it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I just, I, I really, really enjoyed all of that. Well, I enjoyed it very much as well. Um, for one, it was, it was fun. It was a nice, Aram has had other Aram-centric episodes, but this was very peculiar in, in that it took place in, in Aram's mind entirely as opposed to him dealing with other things with actions that relate to him this is all in his mind which for a character such as Aram that lives a lot in his mind it felt like absolutely it's the right way to go for it yeah but it was I also, it was also agree. I was also very enjoyable for the way that he's particular 
trip uh, became. Um, I love the guy in the in the bear mask, and and I knew it was going to be him because of the bear. Remember the bear in well, in in Samar that the one that tipped the um. Oh, the, oh the believe me, I always know the bear because I have yeah. a joke. Whenever I refer to something as being over the top, I call it all that in a bear from a joke years ago with a former friend. And I and I. And, and so when, when I saw that, it, honestly, I didn't key into the fact it was bear. And I didn't, I don't think I ever saw the name of the episode. So I wasn't thinking about that. I had to go back and look at the name of the episode. And so I'm watching it and there's just this dude in this mask. And I, I really didn't think about it being a bear. And then he said something about the Mr. Bear. And I went, oh God, not another bear. And that was my immediate reaction, but it was so well done because it was tying back to Samar. And I had some friends. It was like he felt responsible yes. for for not having saved Samar. So he became the bear that yep. tipped the car into the water. Um, and, and for those who say, you know, the bear is over the tip, it's also a nod to a winter's tale in which yeah. it has, you know, one, you know, exit, uh, stage, I think it's stage left, pursued by bear. But um, but you had the bear to link back to Samar, and then you had all of watching all of his friends die again and again. And did you notice they were in white? That was the yes. same. Liz was in white when she died. Yeah. And like my thought process was, you know, oh well, you know, white always shows the blood better. You know, it's it's just aesthetically mm -hmm. works better. But I think it was a tie back to he felt responsible for Liz. If he had just stopped Liz when she came to get Agnes, yes. if he had been able to do that, she wouldn't have died. Sure, she would have been in jail, but she would be alive. Agnes would have her mom. There'd be a chance that Liz could get out someday, et cetera, et cetera. And Aram, being who he is, internalizes all of that. And it just festered inside of him. I just, I, I think that this show this episode was such a fantastic way to deal with someone who has anxiety and is dealing with all of this mounting pressure and all of this regret and all of this um, guilt, whether he should be feeling guilt or not, he does feel it. And it was such a fantastic manifestation of it in the way they went about it. Because when he first sat down, he went to the, 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 um, psychedelic um it's usually a psychologist uh therapist yeah. uh the psychedelic therapy i was like okay he is acting director right now would he even be allowed to do that and you know I, i'm sitting there in my mind trying to you know suss out is does this make sense or not by the end of it i don't even care because it was just so well done well they said is not illegal well, I mean, that's true, but, but think about it. There are, I mean, it's not illegal to smoke pot or to, you know, in a lot of states, it's not illegal to drink in any state, but you're not allowed to, like, if, if you're a federal agent, you, you may not be allowed to smoke pot um, because it sticks with you. I, I honestly don't know that for sure, but um, I know there are certain things you can't do because you'll get drug tested all the time and things will stick with you and so to do this and then to walk directly into the the mm. post office i was like eh, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense but I, I also don't know anything about this type of therapy or if it's even a thing i, I assume it is now but i don't know for sure mm -hmm. oh it is but regardless it's used a lot for post-traumatic stress disorder uh and in veterans and it's been very helpful for some very cool. People with have, um, you know, a lot of of um, of trauma. Yeah. It, it helps them. Um, and I also found very interesting that we have seen Red do his own version of it when he thought Liz had died. Kate May, and and he goes and he's is so long in in an opium them probably about a week that he's kicked out of it by the owner mama Luz, and he goes to to cape may in the midst of all this anxiety and and sadness and grief 
and he hallucinates with this woman that he doesn't even recognize as Katerina. And I found it very interesting because we also saw Dom hallucinating and the doctor explained uh, seizure patients sometimes have hallucinations um, and you know it comes it, it may be very real they lose sense of time and and he was talking to blonde cat but he was seeing katerina and and so in a way he was mixing the reality of talking because he was answering katerina of uh, uh, blonde cat's questions but at the same time he was seeing believing he was speaking with Katerina. So that's a very interesting because it's a mix. You're reacting to your environment and at the same time, what you're seeing doesn't correspond what is in there. Then we have red, which mixes reality and fantasy because he see, he's in, in the inner and he's really at the diner trying to eat, but finding himself not hungry. And he sees Katerina and the man in plaid in the diner. And, and then he's, in the house and the sheriff come and he's talking to the sheriff who's real and then he's talking with his hallucination who's not real about the sheriff and acting as if they're both there so it's a mixed reality thing aram was not like that aram was simply hallucinating with this over and over groundhog day in which he couldn't he was trying to get out of it and he couldn't save them no matter what he did. His murder loop. I loved that phrasing, murder loop. <laughs> mm. uh, but for me, it kind of, I mean, Groundhog Day is a very good, good way to describe it. But my immediate thought towards it was, um, I, I don't know if you've played many video games or not, but if you're playing an RPG game and you're going through the game and you die, if you have lives left, it'll reset you to a certain point in the game. And that's what it, I could see, I'm trying to remember if we've ever seen Abram play video games, but I, I feel like he would. <laughs> it just seems like something he would do. And so that's really what it reminded me of that, like, for him, he was like the, the you know, the, the game, uh, the, the player in the game going through it. And his, he thought his goal was to keep everybody alive and to get them out. That was such a phenomenal line there. Uh, when his darker self came back and was talking when he said, but Mr. Reddington said, he goes, Mr. Reddington said, like, that, that made it easy for you to have someone to lean on, an authority figure. Then you didn't have to take, and, and I loved that. I loved that they pointed that out. Um, and, and it isn't necessarily just Red. It's also Cooper as, as a ROM voice to Cooper when he was talking to him. Just having that authority figure tell him what to do made him more comfortable rather than having to take ownership mm. and choose to do. And so as long as he knew the outcome or was being told what to do, he was more comfortable. And he thought that that's, that yeah. he was playing by rules. The consequences were not on him. Well, I mean, he... it's that, but he was also playing by rules. And so it, if he was it's this idea that, okay, I've abided by all of the rules. I've done what I was supposed to do. So because of that, this is the end result, which we've seen in life. That's not the way it works. You can be, you know, you can play by all the rules and you still get screwed in the end, or you can break every rule and still somehow come out. Okay. In the end. And I think it was that interesting. He... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I, I think that for him, he's very much in, and that leans into kind of the OCD with like having to have it a certain way, the anxiety, the OCD, all of that folding in on itself leads him to want to have a solid ending that he knows how it's going to end. Mm -hmm. He knows that if he does X, Y, and Z, that he's going to get to that end. And yeah. He, he's tried to be good. He's tried to live by the rules, but Liz is dead. Samar is off in some unknown place. Um, I'm actually really glad that he didn't mention LOD, but the whole LOD thing happened. And so like, whether he breaks or whether he But I, think, I don't think he was in, in law with LOD. LOD was more, uh, 
was a temptation, was a, um, yeah. um, a forage into, it was a way, a precursor to this hallucination. It was around giving himself permission to do crazy things, um, to have an affair he shouldn't have, to do things against rules, um, like the same as Elise got him into like smoking pot and, and doing this kind of thing. So it's, Aramis had a long out of the cocoon uh, thing, but it was interesting because Cooper was telling Agnes, you know, the good thing we tell children to don't tell lies and, you know, is because when you're an adult, your consequences are serious. But another thing that, I, that interested me about this is I've been saying for a long time that part of season AB was a hallucination that Liz was hallucinating, particularly uh, the Russian knot, uh, Nicholas Obenrader, 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 whatever, and um, Ivan Stepanov. Um, because it just, it didn't make sense. Nothing in those episodes makes sense. They talk on the phone. Even Alina was like saying, excuse me, so why are we following her? So why doesn't Liz tell us or Reddington tell us and and it was like the the that time in 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 the in the hallucination where somebody's saying this doesn't make any sense um I think that Liz was hallucinating on and off uh, for for part of AB I mean we've seen her with um how she hallucinated with Kaplan. And you made that comment in, in the last podcast that just as Laszlo Jankowicz had a lie on that following him, he had done so much LSD. And Aram was seeing even after that, they were, you know, uh, Dark Aram and Samar sitting with him at the table that Liz had somehow had also that hallucination with Kate follow her around well i mean depending on what it is i can't imagine i mean while he made the comment to to hallucinate you know mm -hmm. to, to the hallucinated samar that you know it's a uh, uh acid grade you know trip that that brought mm -hmm. her back i i have a lot of trouble believing that it was actually acid <laughs> because I mean, that, that does stick in your brain. Like you, I have heard that if you do acid, you can trip later on, even after years of not doing it. And so I, I, I have mean, a, yeah, I don't know what it was, but yeah, what, was whatever say, it but, was, it, it's interesting to me that we've had a, had, we've had an episode in which Aram was hallucinating going to the post office and having all these things happening. And I've been saying for so long that some of AB was hallucinations, that maybe Liz in that capsule was being given hallucinogenic drugs and she was tripping. She was hallucinating with Kate. Um, she was doing all kind of crazy stuff. And those episodes make no sense. They are as nonsensical as actually Aram hallucination it was much less nonsensical. Oh, you're, you're saying it was less nonsensical. I'm yes, less, saying. no, oh, less, yeah. less nonsensical than, than, uh, than Red and the Eastern friend talking with a Cold War um, decoding machine when we have seen them talking on the phone about sensitive things. Yeah, I think his made more, I, I do think his made more sense. It was a, a very interesting, to me that I've been talking about this hallucination, this episode felt like it was mixed too. You had parts of the episode where Wrestler and Red and Cooper doing their stuff. And part of it was some, and you couldn't really tell. I mean, in there this episode, things. they made it clear because of the lighting. Oh, okay. I yeah. was going to say that there was the lighting. There was also the costumes. So while Russ had a white shirt on in both places, he had a jacket on in reality. And uh, mm -hmm. while Dembe had that brown shirt on, 
um, he had a vest over it in reality. And mm -hmm. so that's that was the difference. I don't remember if Alina had a difference. Um, but it was it was interesting because a lot of people have been saying, well, but this could not have been hallucinating, you know, and it could have been a mix. Yeah, we saw a mix. And it, it, they had to tell us that it was a hallucination. But I wonder if they're working up to tell us that Liz was also hallucinating. I mean, if you look at Nakaldo, for example, those people that were in there that didn't react to Red and, and, uh, and Dembe and Liz entering, those were hallucinations. Normal people look at other people when they walk around, especially when they're screaming, I want more. You know, that, that generally gets people to turn around and say, who's this crazy person? So if you look at it, Liz had been hallucinating for like four months. That poor girl and her brain. <laughs> yeah. Well, remember all those little things that we thought that she got that, oh my God, the writers cannot keep, can't keep a line. You know, she was saying that he kept Tom for two months and there were all those little things she got wrong. I think they're all happened after Krilov went back in that brain and did and did his things i mean she's that would be the second time that her memories were messed up with whatever drugs uh Krilo was using and not to mention also the um the head trauma that she had i mean she was in a coma for 10 months yeah That's, plus it, it's not the first time that she's being knocked on the head yeah. and suffocated exactly but i mean to to be unconscious for 10 months to be in a coma for 10 months. I mean, I'm not saying you can't return to a normal life, but it was like nothing happened. I mean, she she went through a little bit of physical therapy and then... Well, we didn't see how long that was. That's true. That is true. Yeah, well, just the, the last thing I really had to say about the hallucination... I mean, clearly, I can't talk. Hallucination. Um, in addition to uh, what you were just saying, I don't remember, I think it was after we, anyway, uh, you mentioned that Cooper wasn't there and how interesting that was. Um, and I think that that is because Aram was being forced to be the end all. So he couldn't have that person of, of authority mm -hmm. there to lean on. And if you and notice, he doesn't feel responsible for Cooper. He feels responsible exactly, for, for the others. And so, I mean, but like when he gave an order in there, then, then they, they, they obeyed it. You know, I mean, they said, okay, mm -hmm. we trust you. And then when he just freaked out, that tended to be when people got killed. And so when he froze and just said, we need to get out, we need to get out. That's when, um, when wrestler got shot, trying to get him out of there. And so every time he wouldn't take control of the situation, that was when his friends died. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's what he was being forced to work towards and uh, work through. And it was I, interesting how, how he picked up a phone and Red would be talking from it. So it's like he's the omnipresent. Uh, <laughs> oh, very much so. And, and yeah. it was a red phone too. I, I love the fact that I didn't, I didn't realize that. One of the things that was more interesting to me is how they brought all that Anslow Garrick um, feel to things, because that was the first big trauma that Aram had, and mm -hmm. he was to go to therapy for that because he had to kill a guy. And, you know, it's the first time he actually had to to see what it was to be an FBI agent outside you know, being an analyst in, in his in his nerdy world. Well, before he realized it was a trip, um, because I, I went as soon as he walked in, I was kind of back and forth on is he still under or did we just skip all of that? But when the alarm started going off and he started basically saying, I don't know what to do. I'm going, this isn't the first time that the uh, the post office has been infiltrated. You guys have protocols. It wasn't just then, but there was also um, Red took uh, Liz out of it, uh, went through the roof and pulled Liz out of it. If that happened, 
eh, if that happened. Um, but then there was also another time. She and then Liz got them out when Anna McMahon had yeah, them in. That's it. Um, and so we we've seen infiltrations before. And so when that happened, I was like, what's happening here? Oh, he's he's still in the matrix, you know. <laughs> um but yeah, that that was um it was just really interesting to see all that. I, I think it was such a beautifully written episode with like mm -hmm. uh, uh Noah. Is it Noah Schuster? Is that his last name? Um, the yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sure, sure. I think so. Um, but he, I, I feel like he's written for a rom before, like a rom and so he must just know a rom. Yeah, he very he's, he well. wrote among other things Minister D, and he wrote yeah. uh, a bunch of others. Uh, um, he he must just be there a rom expert. I just I th there are some. There are some writers that just know characters intimately. Uh, we always said that about um, uh, Daniel um, now and, and uh, about Tom. Yeah, that he just he knew Tom so intimately, and I I think Noah must be that way with a rom. It's it, it's so well done. So many kudos and bringing Samar in that way. I it's I had actually I was maybe a third of the way through the episode, maybe even halfway through. And I started getting messages from friends going, has Samar shown up yet? And I said, what, what are you talking about? I didn't know that, that Mozan was coming back for this episode. I, I hadn't heard it, but I've kind of mm. been out of the loop on everything yeah. lately. And so I was like, oh, well, I said, if she's scheduled to come in, this would be the episode that it would be very, I, I could totally see mm. how they'd bring her in. And so I just, I loved her entrance with just, you know, shooting. And killing the bad guy, killing the bad Aram. Yes. And, and I mean, and just like the utter honesty that she, and I think that's something Aram's been missing in his life is someone that, that approaches him with both compassion and just brutal honesty. She doesn't beat around the bush on things. She doesn't, she doesn't let his feelings get in the way of her going, no, no, you, you gotta, you gotta look at this <laughs> a certain way. And it was just such a beautiful moment with her talking about how, how he's always been enough and it's time for him to see it too. I just, that whole thing, I, I understand that she was a hallucination, therefore in his own mind, but I could just 100% see Samar saying that to him. It was, I loved it. And we also had his mentor telling him exactly the same thing. What I did with the with the arcane wireless is as good as what you did with uh, Greylock. Mm -hmm. So I think that that it's it's been a theme of it is. of being of being enough and understanding what you're supposed. I I think to to do i i think that aram has a bit of imposter syndrome going on here where he doesn't feel like he's earned where he's at and i mean i think those around him would disagree with that just everything he's been able to do but his his fear lies in not being able to tell the wolf amongst the sheep i think is his biggest fear because especially with this friend of his that screwed him over on Greylock. And I think mm -hmm. that just sort of reopened the wound of not not really being able to know for sure. And it just, I, I just really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> you know what I also love? Um, how when Samar comes in, that is exactly more or less the same way when Samar came in the first time that she showed up in the post office and he goes like, whoa, you're tall. Um, so I, I love the fact that they kept bringing these little things back. It, it, it made the episode feel very connected to everything that's been happening. Um, and at the other, and the other hand that we have this and, and the, and the, 
I call it the harsh haram because it didn't feel like it was so much dark as harsh. Like, yeah. you know, I'm going yeah. to kill the, I'm going to kill the weak me. Jaded, so, jaded haram. Yeah. And, and very, you know, it, it's a, it's a way, it's almost like killing the child. And I remember that you and I have talked a lot about the loss of innocence and how when around they they all get uh they all get uh damaged and the more damaged they are then the more they're able to hunt the monsters as samar used to say hunt monsters hunting monsters and and you cannot hunt them unless you know how they are and you know how they are by becoming one and how Aram was the last one to lose his innocence in a way that, you know, with Elodie and he believed that Jed had killed him and, and how he, you know, he went from deeply traumatized from killing a terrorist that was killing people to killing the guy and the architect and just saying, and just feeling like, well, now we can interrogate, but he just did it to this, this progression. And now it's like he's, the wolf is coming out it's it's killing the weak him and he's coming to terms with his damaged self and acknowledging that he can't no be undamaged now it's done but he can use the damage to become a better agent and a better person yeah but i think there's also that balance and i think that's what well, I don't know if Aram feels like he in, his, in and of himself can counter that, you know, that loss of innocence, um, you know, the, the, as you were saying, the harsh Aram. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's one reason that Samar sort of takes that, that position, because while he can see his own face on this harsher self, he can't see his own face on someone that's willing to, to face off with the harsher self. And I think that's what was so brilliantly shot in that last scene at the table with a Ram in the middle and the I mean, angel, the angel and the, and the exactly, devil. exactly. Yeah. And so the one I mean, telling him you're enough, the other one telling him you're weak. Exactly. And, and them facing off against each other. And I just, Mozan's expression, I, this episode, if nothing else, was such a, a reminder of how much I've missed Samar. I just, wow, she, Mozan is fantastic. And I wish they would find a way. I, I wish, I don't know if she's willing to come back if they were to extend an offer, but I just, I wish they'd bring her back. <laughs> it's the blacklist. Yeah, it was, it was, it was great to, to, uh, to see her. Um, but there's also the other aspect of the episode, which is what is happening in reality. Uh, by the way, before we go back, don't you loved when Aram said, first slap me hard, and he hasn't even finished a sentence, and Alina just gets him really hard. Zero hesitation, but I 500% can believe Alina would. <laughs> no problem with it. <laughs> just trying to be helpful. Mm problem if you need a slap if you need a punch i'm i'm your woman i'm here alina's your girl <laughs> ask alina she'll yeah. slap you <laughs> yeah yep completely out of it but it was great to see because i remember that wrestler also crumble under that authority when he was in ta in charge of the task force in season three hunting liz yeah um, and, and it was really harsh on him and he was very glad to give it back to Cooper, which tells you the difference about, um, Cooper, how you tend to take it from granted and, you know, because he seems, he makes it look very easy. Um, and it brings me back to something Red told him, like, you know, I, I know many zealots, you know, that just go for something and believe that no matter what but to go every day and decide what is right and what is not is is difficult and i think this is also going into the what aram was not able to do with red which was 
have a, a, a sense of morality that took in consideration the higher or bigger reward rather than the immediate. And I think that Ram was overcompensating into, well, I'm going to give him a taste of his own medicine because that way I'm going to feel that I'm not, I'm not uh, compromising my integrity. And this is also a way for him to say, okay, I understand now that sometimes it's not going to feel that he's going to feel like he's walking over me, but what I'm doing is getting really dangerous criminals off the, of the streets. Yep. Do we want to switch over um, to what, what the reality was, which was yep. essentially the B Let's, story, which was yeah. reality. So can we just talk about how sad and depressing it is that they keep killing off of uh, part of Red's, you know, army and the most beloved ones typically off screen because we didn't even know Baz died. You know, he got shot and then just he wasn't there. And Bokenkamp was like, oh yeah, he died. Didn't you guys know that? And we're like, no, no, sir, he, we did not. Well, he shot the point black in the chest. You know, it's the blacklist. It's mm, people have yeah. survived. Um, but I mean, I guess at least- I was sad for Chuck. Oh no, it was Morgan. Morgan died. Morgan. Yeah. yeah. But I, well, I'm, and now I'm sad for Chuck because Morgan's gone. <laughs> Those two seemed to, to be, I'm still not entirely sure which one's Chuck and which one's Um Well, Chuck will be the one who's alive. There you go. The one that's left, that'll be Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> but it just, it was a little and, sad. And Witcher lived, yeah, and Witcher lived, but she was really, I mean, Dor uh, Red did not believe that she was going to make it that first night. Yeah, and I, I will say that I'll eat crow on it that it doesn't look like Weecha was involved in the setup. And so No. It it was it was also interesting to me how um Mirza came back and and you could I mean it was it was interesting because I still don't see any chemistry between them. Either. It, just... But it's all it almost like it feels like it's on purpose now that alina that mir that um mirce is the is a shaman is the healer and it wasn't red that was in that relationship it was a damaged man but red the real red is is it's the is red and yeah i, I don't i don't know what the deal is and maybe that's it but I just, I feel nothing between them. It's like she shows up to fill a point. And so they needed her to come in and essentially say something that he was saying at the beginning of the shows, you know, early on in seasons one and two, that, you know, that vengeance, if you're going to embark on a, on a journey of vengeance, dig two graves. Um, and the, the story is saying the same thing. Yeah. Everybody's going to be, be is getting caught in it. It's not just you. And, and he, he essentially you. says that he knows that and that he knew that the unspoken portion of it is I just can't stop. This needs to well, be done. That that's exactly what he told the psychologist um, Roberta Sand. I, I know that this is that there is this darkness and I can't help myself. Um, I gotta go there. And and you know that the man who didn't even stay. I mean, but I was seeing how at the beginning when Liz uh, faked her death and he thought she was dead, he also left. He did the same thing in a in a smaller version of it. He basically left without Dembe. He called Marvin at least that time, called Marvin and told him, um, and I guess it's easier because she wasn't killed by someone, but you know, apparently she died in childbirth. It'll be easier to process. He just called Marvin and said, pay all my debts and suspend things and I'm just gone. Um, this time he didn't even do that, but the actions were the same. I'm disappearing, I'm dealing with this. Uh, then he went to, to Dom and he, Aram came to get him. It was Aram. This time it was Cooper. And he said first no. And then Dom kind of convinced him to go back. 
but not even at that point uh, ensuring the welfare of Agnes was enough to get him back. It was after after he's basically shaking by what Dom said about people needing him and he being useless. So I have a question for you. Okay. Um, throughout all of the, uh, you know, following the lead down to that they found uh, LaCroix's widow dead in the car and then they found the murderer. Um, and, and following that line of, of clues that Cooper and Ressler were following. You froze. Oh, where did I froze? Okay, you're going to have to repeat that because you froze. Uh, uh, where did they I found LaCroix and they found the murderer and that was it. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, following the line of, of clues, starting with LaCroix's widow being killed in the car and uh, when Cooper and Ressler got to her murderer in the garage and they finally got the information out of him um, about the payment and they, they were able to track the payment back to it being from one of Red's accounts from this bank they're clearly going to next week. Um, but they got it from the phone, not from him. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but but regardless, it was Red's account. And Red yes. was sitting there going, oh, well, it's obviously closer than we, we thought it was. But when he was talking to the, the safe maker, didn't the safe maker tell him that a woman showed up with all the same accounts, with all the same information? We all just assumed it was Kate Kaplan because she looked like Kate Kaplan. But mm -hmm. whoever it was, whether it was Marine or somebody else, this person had access to his bank accounts and to all of this information. And so, why is he surprised that whoever is because because the I streets... wasn't um, because the safe there's there's two things here there are three things here the videos were made in when he had in in season seven when in in um, the and not. Um, the oh why am I blanking on them? The um the Cassandians in that when he had first fainting fit and he and he talks to Marvin about his will. That's when the videos are made because his tie is the same, he's he has the same attire, so you can see that he talked to Marvin about the will, leaving Liz as a as his heir because she's going she's going into a dark place and she's you know he's starting to believe that there's something like fate no matter what he did he couldn't um liz was going to was katarina rostova's daughter and she's you know destiny said you know she's a criminal and she ended up following that that route and he even talked about to her about that like he i don't know if it was me coming in your life or it would have been the same i know that i tried to prevent it and i couldn't so that going that's when he made the, the videos but the safe need not have been done at that time the safe could have been done with kate was alive and just put aside for the time where he needed to leave something for liz you know, in in uh, in the in the comics, he's leaving a video, a video. He had a note, a, a letter in the caretaker. He may have at one point thought maybe I leave that letter from Katerina too in that safe. I don't think the safe was made at the same time. It was probably positioned in the villa at that time, but, but my, not. My point being that this woman came years later after the safe with the second safe, uh, to, to have the second safe made, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And so she showed up and we find out later it was to switch the safes out. Yes, but we you don't know when that woman got to the safe maker because you don't know when the safe was made. I because mean, that's true. No, 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 it just... wait, 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 there is more evidence. If, okay. if, if you remember that, that, scene where he's remembering Kaplan and he's like it was so long ago I can't remember and they only show like her feet and kind of the face with a coat that was very Kate but they also show him much much younger that's not in that's way before 2017 
that he was they show a much much younger him than the guy that the way he was so this safe could have been something that red always thought i'm gonna have a safe stuff there for liz i'm gonna have it all set and place in the villa at that time but they made it confused because he makes it looks like it was when he wanted Liz to kill him, but it is when he knows he's dying, when he has a thing, that first fainting spell. So that you you can make the connection that the safe, because we haven't seen it, and what the evidence we have is that it was years before. Well, I mean, I'm not even I'm not talking about the first safe. I'm talking about the second safe. Yeah, yeah, but they were at the same time. She came and said, I want to say done with those specifications. They show the guy remembering the woman, the woman coming to him. And he's a much, much younger man. I'm not talking five years younger. I'm talking 10 or more. Okay, I'll have to go back. I only watched that one once. I'll have to go back and see. Yeah, it's very, very obvious that they did not intend to be that at like that moment that intend to be years that's why he cannot even remember it's not five years most people remember what happened five years ago um but that is you know the the way they presented that so the woman being paid definitely says is somebody right now and it, they could be using someone but remember the previous time red thought he was it was Marvin, they thought it was Zach, but in reality it was Abe. And Abe was always on Kate's side and they got Abe killed because he wasn't playing. So I it seems like it's it's pointing to Marvin. But that said, Marvin had no need to to first if he wanted to get he knows what happens when Liz was going to get killed, right? Either Red will disappear, as he did in Cape May, or he will go back in the scorch earth and kill everybody involved, like he put a bullet in Kate's uh, head. It doesn't seem reasonable to me. Um, he could have just called Liz to a meeting that Red would not have known about, tell her, leave the phone, and poison her. He could have waited for Liz to kill Red and then have Liz killed. He didn't even know about the He, All he knew was that Red is dying and he wants Liz to be the heir. And he could have said, well, you know, at this point I'm out. I'm getting my money and I'm leaving. If he wanted Red's empire, he had two years to take it. Not to run into the ground. It just doesn't... I am not saying that he's maybe forced to do it or that he may be framed, but I'm saying I don't think he's the big bad. Does that answer the question? Or not at all? Your face says not at all. <laughs> I mean, we weren't really talking about, we were talking about, Never mind. Um... <laughs> So you're talking about about the woman. You you were confused. Okay, I'm getting confused with the with the confusion. I think so I I oh. think so. I think because I was talking about the 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 fact that whoever showed up and asked for the second safe had access, and that was the person that that stole the safe, in mm -hmm. theory, um, which would have been more recently. But that mm -hmm. person had access to red's accounts because she used all of that we assumed it was kate it would make sense it was kate whoever that is has been around recently at least recent enough in theory to be able to switch out the the um safes okay uh hang on and so then an episode episode later two episodes later just one um <laughs> lost like i don't know what day it is um we have read very very shocked that whoever paid for mrs lacroix's killing uh that the money came from red's own account and he's saying oh that's you know 
it's oh, so close okay. to home. That that's where my logic. Okay, because was. that's what I was going to. You're talking about two different events separated in time. One, the the hiring of the murderer of Mrs. Lacroix. It's in in obviously in this time, and that person has access. Whoever hired him has access to those accounts, and. Whoever also lured Maureen there had to be in the present time. But it's not the same as time frame as the safe maker, because the safe maker is I, years before. Yeah, I, I understand that. But in theory, I mean, and it could have been that Kate did it and Maureen got a hold of it later. Uh, that's a possibility mm -hmm. and had no access yeah. to the to the accounts. I'm not saying that's not a possibility. I'm just saying I'm following the thread that in theory, if it wasn't Kate and it wasn't Maureen that did this, whoever got the second safe and exchanged the safe, then that like, why, why are we so surprised if that person had access to? Because it's two different time frames. I, I, I know, like, I think it's, it's I'm something not we'll getting find out. What you get. I know, I know. I'm very tired, and maybe I'm just not explaining it well. I don't know, guys. Well, leave, I'm thinking, leave, I'm... listeners, leave, leave a leave us a note and let us know if you understand what I'm saying at all, or if I'm just finally lost it and my brain's gone off into never never land. The, the more interesting part to me here is we have a clear thread of of either being Kate who ordered that safe or somebody that must have been the sister passing as Kate coming there. And it's interesting to me because she was not only looking like Kate, which she always did, but dressed like Kate. So that, that, that to me told me something is going on. How was Maureen either lure there or is she was she dying was she sick and decided that that was an easier way to go because whoever got her there obviously wanted to leave no trace so this is trying to look like me like another cleanup just like the murder of lacroix lacroix and cole and the bart and very well could have been now yeah. the question is and, and the, the other gen in my life had a very interesting observation. It seems like all of this is leading a trail to somebody very close to Red, possibly Marvin. But if you think about what was done, why not kill Kennison? Why not get that tracker and kill Kennison? Why hire Cole? It seems to me that whoever was hiring Cole was creating a trail to be followed and, and it's an interesting thing he was whoever did it murder coster had nothing to do with anything and then the bartender so why not kill kennison why spare him why want him to go there and also i follow the information trail and it seems like everything that that when the killer was ahead, it was something being said in the post office, not Red telling Marvin. So I don't know who else would be. Hetty could possibly be another person who would have access to those things. All right, hang on. We have the, the people that have died. We have Cole, who was a blackmailer, who mm -hmm. was a dirty, maybe not a dirty cop, but certainly got dirty after leaving the police force. Yeah, certainly. Um, LaCroix, who was busy blackmailing people. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, who else has gotten? And then Maureen. The who, bartender. The, the bartender. Bar the bartender who sold, who sold drugs. Yeah. Um, and then Maureen, who was somehow involved in all of this. And Doug Coster. That and had Doug Coster, who had had an affair with. Yeah. So these people are not innocent. I don't know if that has any connection or anything, um, but if you talk, if you look at Kinnison, you look at this man and go, he had a, he, he had good purposes. He was, he was That's trying to do good. Thing. 
Um, the only the only caveat I have is we don't know anything about Mrs. LaCroix and she's dead now. Yeah. And well, so, they said that she knew more and the husband was obviously a cook. Yeah. And so, and so and she, Cole, she may have known more. Yeah. So it and seems so like Kinnison, if Kinnison's the only outlier of that, I would say the, the thing that stands out the most to me for that is that he was an innocent. That's an interesting point of view. Yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, peculiar setup because because we also have somebody who's who prop Red's company. What Red was in territory and and he wasn't to it was to regular competitors like Batiste. It wasn't that there is this big person behind that is gobbling out Red Empire. That would have told me, yeah, somebody is going there. It seemed like there is something going on and i like that take of yours that and it seems that seemed very much like kate like she said like she's cleaning the cesspool i mean what what if he's on someone else's blacklist hmm. that would be interesting yeah that would be interesting agnes has her own blacklist she's secretly and... i'm hope i'm kidding that would be jumping the shark a bit much folks don't do that she's still a little bit young i mean to be fair she is a keen but yeah well that kid is has shown promise in many things let's just say her dad yeah, it, started it, at like 14 so i mean there's like a year difference but it's interesting that they decided to go after cooper and it would seem like, oh, that's because of the association with Red. But the one thing that is interesting to me is that this thing started when Cooper granted Red access to Agnes. And Charlene was always against it. And he pushed and got him access. It didn't start when Red came back. That only started after he agreed to let him see Agnes. Yeah. So it seems to me that this may be still Kate's plan. And I, is there any way that somebody, that Kate wasn't really, that Maureen wasn't really there and, and somehow she just put a piece of DNA, but Red seemed to have got a piece of skin or flesh for Svenko. By the way, I love seeing Svenko. I know, he just keeps popping up every once in a while. I always love those callback characters that aren't here very much, but we're just like, oh, I remember you. Mm. <laughs> I love him. I mean, he was he, back in season one, right? Yep, and he was in Salvador, so it was good that he spoke Spanish to Mirce, so that was good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it seems like he, I love him with the Rosa Cruzan, and, you know, he had to perform something or another and, and got the, um, uh, the body and, and, and took a piece of it for analyze. And he, it, it's... It is 50% match, so you knew that's a sister. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you and I said last week that it was going to be Marine, one way or the other. But the question is, well, is Marine really dead, or did she fake her death by that's not being there? Like, or by, yeah. That is always my question. Is this person really dead? <laughs> my Honestly, at this point, my go-to is, no, probably not. <laughs> because the other thing that could have, oh, my God. I got a theory. Okay, what if Maureen took the body, found the body of Kate, and kept it frozen or something, and then in this thing, she found a way to go and left Kate's body there? Follow me? So the body they think is Catherine Nemec, it is Catherine Nemec. But then why and would it be a 50% match? Because it was degraded, Svenko thinks that that you know he he accounted for the heat and all that, but it could be very well be uh, Kate. I I think that that fifty percent match is probably not the case. Well, that but would be it my could, snag. It could happen. <laughs> it's the blacklist. Anything could happen. <laughs> I mean, it's a one way I could see. It just doesn't make sense to me. Maureen gave me the vibe that she wasn't innocent. 
No, I don't think she was, but I also don't know why she would have just, like, it, it seems kind of a waste to for her just to have gone in and gotten blown up. Like, there's, yeah. there's more to it. Somebody must have taken her there because once she told Red about Clara Moore, it seems like she would have known about that meeting and she got the information because she was at the meeting when Clara Moore wasn't at the meeting. Okay. So <laughs> that's, that's what we got. Yep. <laughs> Lots of questions. As always, only a few answers. <laughs> you guys can listen to us on Spotify, on iTunes, and SoundCloud. And you can talk to us on Twitter, on Tumblr, Facebook, and Tessa's over on Reddit. And we love hearing from you guys. Feel free to weigh in. Let us know if you think we're crazy, if we're on to something. Yep. And see you next week. All right. And to all the moms out there, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all moms. Bye-bye. Okay, Bye. -bye. Bye.